0: This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and SiriusXM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, it is a Friday. Your lucky number is 618, and we're still streaming live on the ESPN app. Phone number is 844-SAY-ACCN. I'm Mark Packer, alone in the basement with dogs and back in Cartersville because I believe, I think, the NFL first round just ended about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Wes Durham, how are we doing?
1: Yeah. Uh, to say it was a long night would be an understatement, my man. Whew.
0: Now, for a guy that loves to go, man, college baseball is too long. How would you describe the length of the first round of the NFL draft last night, or into the morning?
1: Uh, it was long. It was uh, unnecessarily long at times. How's that?
0: Gosh, I mean, can we get the players? Can we get the players within two hundred yards of hugging Roger Goodell? I mean, what are we doing yeah. with that? Huh? Explain that I, one to I, me. There's
1: a lot going on there, in there. I mean, we got a long walk. We've got, we got Vegas. We've uh, we spontaneously call celebrities up out of the seats to join them on stage. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's become a lot more than the uh, the the process of drafting the players, hasn't it? And look, they they let the genie out of the bottle on this a long time ago. We got that, but. Man, to have 100,000 people last night on Las Vegas Boulevard for that deal, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I was with, look, I was with a tame group of people. I only was with about 6,000 people last night, Packer in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So, I mean, by comparison, we had, we had nobody <laughs> unlike Vegas, which was, looked like, every time I looked up at one of the monitors in the stadium last night, it looked like a mob scene. went in Vegas the other night, or last night, rather.
0: You know, the only thing missing last night in that production, (laughs) there was one thing missing, the red panda. Oh, no. Can we get the red panda out? I mean, while while the guys Uh... are getting their 10,000 steps in to go hug Roger Goodell, can we have the red panda out there flipping bowls and doing her tired act? I mean, that was the only thing missing. Seriously. Dogs jumping through hoops. I mean, what what did we miss? I mean, I was like, come on, man. Can we just get with the picks? Let's get on with this thing.
1: Good I, I don't know when I, I don't know. Remember when I saw it during the night? It was well before the round started last night. But I, I looked up and saw Wayne Newton walk in. I thought, Oh my God, we have now reached. You know, we we've really reached some things. That Wayne Newton, they've they found Wayne Newton, and he's walking in. So you know, but hey. Uh, Dion, the ACC.:
0: Celine Dion, huh? Barry Manilow. What were they booked last night? They could make an appearance. I mean, hey, Ice Cube, come on, here, get come up here and say a few things. No, Ice Cube, I don't want to hear Ice Cube say. I want to get to the pick. <laughs> Can we get to a stinking pick? Oh my god! But nevertheless, congratulations to all 32 last hmm. night. I said it yesterday. Yep. It's really a magical moment for all those guys. And what's for what we do here on ACC Network? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there there were four guys last night that got picked that we've had a chance to interact with. You've called their games. We've had them on Packer and Durham. Uh, hopefully folks that have been loyal to the program have had a chance to see them and, and see there's more than just, hey, they're more than just a football player, student athlete, great right. personalities. Uh, but I was thrilled for all the folks that got picked last night on a serious note. I mean, it's it's a really, Absolutely. really special night.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Icky Iquano's been with us, what, Golly, a couple different times. Um, He's a terrific young man, Uh, had a great career uh, from the Charlotte area, of course. We've talked to him about that. You know he's a devastating blocker. Uh, And to get an opportunity to play at home, and that's going to be the storyline today in terms of the ACC folks, Uh, two young people are getting an opportunity to play professional football Uh, either in their hometown in the case of Iquanu or uh, for the team that was in the city. In this case of Kenny Pickett, it's phenomenal. I mean, next door literally is where the Steelers found their first-round pick. And, you know, we talked about Kenny Pickett and the influence of Ben Roethlisberger with the two gloves and all the things that kind of, you know, developed out of that. And here is Iquanu getting to play in his hometown, which he's thrilled. And uh, it was – last night i read a story about somebody telling him that the panthers had already put him up on the video board inside the stadium and he said man that's crazy i mean but for Ike aquano the a hometown treat and then for kenny pickett the ability to play for the pittsburgh steelers and essentially now take it next level in the city that uh he had so much success in here uh last year as a quarterback i, I think it's really special and then you know, Zion Johnson, as, as we know, pack his college career started at Davidson. And I think he is a terrific pick for the Los Angeles Chargers. And I expect him to have a long career. And then Jermaine Johnson probably had the longer wait that, uh, of the night. He was the one that, that trickled down. And there are a variety of different things. There was one executive that told Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports last night that Johnson was falling because the media had overhyped him. Uh, I think I'd heard that before in, in conversations about prospects and things like that. But nonetheless, Johnson ends up in New York on a what ends up being for the New York Jets a really good night at the draft table for Joe Douglas.
0: Totally agree. All right, I want to get back to Icky a second. You know, I said uh, all week with the six pick, you know, Kenny Pickett got you covered, got a house for you right down the street and come by and bring Bojangles Biscuits. Uh, Pickett doesn't end up here, but he stays home. You saw the emotion on his face last time. I I, I yeah. was so happy for him. He's been on with us a half dozen times, just a quality guy. Uh, but the fact that Icky ends up here in our backyard. Hey, Icky, I'm looking at you right now, big man. I got you. You need a house? I got you. We got pancakes? Guess what I got? Yes, guess what I got. (laughs) I got the Dave Dorn special. You know why I know it's from Dave Dorn? Because he signed it right there. So, icky, (laughs) pancakes at the Pac-Man. All right, that's what we're going to do. Pancakes with the Pac-Man. You got the place. You need a place. We got it right down the street. You need to come by, see us on your way to work. Man, we got pancakes. Mrs. P will make them. We got the syrup ready to go. Compliments to Dave Dorn. So, you know, we'll take care of the ACC dude here in Charlotte. That's the way I looked at it. We didn't get Kenny Pickett. This was the next best thing, and I do think Icky will fill a great need uh, for my beloved mm. Carolina Panthers here in our backyard. But like I said, I'm thrilled for all of these guys last night. Oh, I don't care what league you play in, what team you play in. Man, you know, God-given talent, blood, sweat, and tears you mm. put into work. Uh, you get rewarded when you work hard, and that's exactly what that was all about last night, and I hope they all have great careers. I really do, rooting for all of them.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I Ikuanu is uh it, it that's a scenario that you know, look, I, I was bullish on the Panthers taking the quarterback. I thought they were gonna go that route. Uh David Tepper, uh Wednesday night talking to national media said, Hey, look, we're gonna go offensive line if we have the chance. And, you know, when when you saw Derek Stingley go as high as he did, then it opened the door for Equanu at six and then it kind of at seven the draft began to uh to kind of percolate and it ate it exploded. But Zion Johnson, I think, is a terrific fit in in Los Angeles with the Chargers and what they're doing. And we talked about Pickett and his skill set for Pittsburgh and just the mentality and personality he plays with. And then uh, I got to tell you, Jermaine Johnson caps heck of a night for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I he situationally, Jermaine Johnson's ready to go in the National Football League, and they are already pretty good defensively in New York when healthy. And I think Jermaine Johnson kind of capsules that as well so good night only four guys from the ACC in the first round I expect two and three tonight to be a little heavier from an ACC perspective um, including guys like Sam Howell and things like that going to be really interesting to watch uh, rounds two and three unfold tonight pack and by the way I don't think you'll have the pomp and circumstance tonight pack that you you saw last night to some of the draft festivities
0: uh, no, plus I'll be busy. So whatever they pick, they pick. But I, I suspect that a guy like Andrew Booth goes real early Yeah, in, in round two. Yeah. I and mean, Sam Howell will be something to keep it on. There's, a, there's another handful of guys that are obviously going to get some love. But uh, I thought Andrew Booth might be able to sneak in at the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe the injuries not being able to work out might have had an effect there. Again, I don't play the role of a general manager. I'm just on the couch with dogs watching all this stuff. Uh, but, you know, Booth, I thought, had a chance to sneak in the first round. I suspect he goes extremely early uh, in the second mm-hmm. round. By the way, I saw a, uh, a stat that I wrote down. Matt Brown uh, does some work for The Athletic and does a great job. Put on Twitter, and I'm just going to read this, uh, only LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC, uh, and Georgia have had more top six picks in the last 20 years than NC State let that marinate a second. Mm-hmm. All right? I'll give you the teams again. LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, SC, and Georgia are the only schools that have had more top six picks in the last 20 years of the NFL draft than NC State. It's pretty strong. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he's the 18th player in state history to be drafted in the first round and the third in the last five years under Dave Doran joining Garrett Bradbury and Bradley Chubb. And, and here's the other thing. Let's let's jump back into something we've talked about before. Like, I think Zach Tom of Wake Forest is going to go tonight. I think so. Uh, and we talk about Kenny Pickett. Um, how about the fact that we're talking about three programs that have let their coaches build the foundations of those respective schools pack, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about that, isn't there?
0: We've talked about this a lot on the show, about being patient with your head coach. And, hey, things may get off to a choppy start. Hey, got to give guys time to build and do it the right way. Uh, And, again, you'll see some names up here. I I suspect everybody's in play here. I really do. I I think that you can see all these guys. Like I said, I think Andrew Booth's going to go really, really quickly tonight. Uh, and where Sam Howell ends up will be intriguing too, uh, from that perspective. Since uh, no Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback selected last night, the only one. Um, and we you know, The last about time that happened, it. I saw the na- I saw the number last night, so I can't I can't play trivia with you.
1: EJ Manuel, twenty
0: thirteen. Yeah, I can't play. I can't play trivia with you. Sorry. Is
1: that not crazy though? Isn't that crazy?
0: Well, you know, there was a lot of talk by the so-called experts, uh, who, by the way, a lot of them didn't even get the first pick of the draft right. Uh, nobody got Stingley going three. I, I didn't see a mock draft by anybody that pretends to be a general manager that had Stingley in the top three. Did you ever see one with Stingley in the top three, Wes?
1: Uh, no, but I, I heard talk about Stingley at three. I just never saw a mock draft for Right. Stingley me neither. at three.
0: Me neither. I'm, just, I'm pointing that out just because everybody has a mock draft. like everybody's got a podcast. Everybody has a mock draft. Uh, That's why you just sit on the couch and you watch the experts do their thing, right? That's how it works. Um, By the way, I was just having some fun messing around. What's the matter? You
1: can't say that line anymore. What line? Because last night I was asked by somebody if you're going to have a podcast soon.
0: Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody in America has a podcast. It's like everybody's got a phone, everybody's got a podcast. That's the way it works. Uh, by the way, I was looking up the four teams that had uh, picks last night from the ACC yeah. of when they mm-hmm. had their very first first-round pick, and there's right. a lot of stuff I did not know. Like For example, NC State's very first first-round pick was Roman Gabriel in 1962. Yep. I did not mm-hmm. know that. Uh, like Pittsburgh, who's had a great tradition in history. They've had 26 guys selected in the first round. The very first pick of a number one first-round pick was Mike Ditka in 61. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yep. Ditka. Ditka.
1: And draft, uh, Florida, was, draft, was a lot, draft was a lot different back then, by the way.
0: Oh, no. Oh, listen, I'm not saying – I mean, nothing – if you watched that last night, the NFL's never been like that before last night. And again, I, I said it the other day. It's brilliant marketing. They've jumped the shark. It's a vaudeville act, and it is highly watched, and people are dialed in, and it lasts forever, Mm -hmm. and get it all over you. Uh, But Florida State's very first, first first-round pick was Ron Sellers in 1969. Ron Sellers. Here's a bar bet for you. Just passing it along to you. And Mike Holovac from B.C., 1943, with the fifth pick overall. 1943, Wes. So there it is they are just some numbers for you. Impress your friends with absolute
1: some would say that, worthless knowledge. Some would, some would say that would be trivia.
0: Uh, no, it's a bar bet. It's not trivia. It's a bar bet. That's, that's, you're not asking a question. You're just having – here's the difference between trivia and a bar bet. Trivia is, hey, let me ask you a question. Go to sleep. Here's a bar bet. Here's a bar bet. You're amongst your friends. And you go – you know, Ditka back in 61 was the uh, first pick for Pitt. You know, it's interesting. Can he pick it? So you kind of include it in conversation. That's a bar bet. You're not asking to it, put bro. somebody got on it. the spot where there's that awkward, I don't know, seven minutes of silence and everybody guesses. And you're like, no, try again. No, try again. A bar <laughs> bet you, a bar bet's like sophisticated trivia if you want to go there. You kind of include it in your conversation and your buddies go, wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. That's how I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna let our producer today, Andrew Brooks, disseminate the differentials there and report back.
0: It's very simple. I mean, a trivia question would be: Hey, in 1961, with the very right. excuse me, in 1962, with the very first pick of the NFL draft, who was selected? That's a trivia question. A bar right. bet would be an NC State fan going: Hey, man. You know what? It's cool to see Icky do that in the first round. I remember back in 62. You know, Roman Gibber was our first pick, but he was the first of 18 guys that we've had in the first round. So you include it in conversation. You don't put anybody on got the you. spot with it. That's a bar bet. Right. That's how you do it. I got you. That's how you roll with it, Wes. All
1: right. Well, here is uh, no bar bet needed for the Friday show of Packer in Durham. Uh, the Women's Lacrosse Championship continues today with four games right here on ACC Network. We're going to chronicle all that and more. You'll hear our visit with Julie Myers, the Virginia head coach, coming up in this hour. Julie, by the way, and her team, they need to win. They need to win to uh, continue the potential to uh, return to the NCAA tournament. Dana Boyle will join us also in the 8 o'clock hour. She'll get us up to date from South Bend. She's on the scene as part of our coverage all day today and with all ACC as well um and Mike Rooney is here in the nine o'clock hour. another visit from Coach Rooney this morning out in the desert perhaps Pac, to get us uh get us riled up for the weekend of uh, ACC baseball as well. So all that and more coming up plus and in case you missed it with Drew Hackenberg and the uh and more as well looking forward to the show today on a Friday.
0: Hey by the way uh I have a gift to open. We had a big box delivered yesterday to the house so we will open that later in the show. Sitting right here on the desk. It's a big box. Not sure what this is. Who's it from? Do you know? Uh, I do know who it's from. It's from uh, the University of North Carolina. University of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. From the box. What's in the box? All right. So I got a box with something in it. And I got my man, Icky. Hey, big man. Let's eat some pancakes in the Queen City, Icky. We're ready to roll. Dave Dorn gave me enough syrup for me, you, and we'll give a couple to the dogs. And if Wes wants to have a couple, we'll do that too. Right there. There you go. It's all about Icky. Pancakes for the Pac-Man. Let's do it. Uh, When we come back, there is plenty to discuss
1: off the floor and off the field. But we're also going to talk about the toughest place to win, the toughest sport to win on the road. We'll dive into that. Packer and Durham's Friday continues on ACC Network. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Lacrosse continues today uh, in South Bend. Of course, Pittsburgh was a winner uh, the other day against Louisville in the uh, opening round, if you will. Quarterfinals today, 12 o'clock and uh, coverage continues all throughout the afternoon and early evening here on ACC Network. Um, Notre Dame is hosting here, Pac. Um, But the road records in each sport, now when we talk about this, we're going to look at women's lacrosse because the women's lacrosse road record this year is 56%. So does Notre Dame really have an advantage at home hosting the lacrosse, you think?
0: Uh, no. I mean, you know why? Because teams rank number one, number two, and number three in the country or in the tournament. <laughs> uh, you know, I think sometimes it's one thing to win on the road. It's who you beat. right? It's who you beat on the road. Right. Uh, and, and when you've got number one, number two, and number three in the country coming to your campus to play, uh, give me the team with the most talent and I'll let you have the home field all day long. Mm-hmm. I, I, give me the, the dudes or the ladies or whatever the sport may be You give me the talent, you can have the home field. That's how I look at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the things. And you see that number there, women's soccer, the road record winning percentage on the road is 59%. Holy smokes, right? Um, 61, 42, and 7. That's the road team winning almost 60% of the time. I don't know that I've – I don't know you see that in many sports right there, Mark.
0: No, you don't. Uh, And again, sometimes numbers can lie, but I'll say the same thing again, Wes. The sports that you've already referenced, women's lacrosse, women's soccer, tell me where the ACC teams rank from a national perspective. And I bet you you're going to go through multiple teams in the top ten. Multiple. And when you've got that kind of talent, guess what talent does? It wins. It wins at home. It wins on the road. It wins at neutral sites. That's how that works. So, You know, I see these numbers, and you also have to worry about schedule. Did you play a full schedule? Did you play a half schedule? Whatever the case may be, I think all that comes in as a variable. I do.
1: Yeah. Um, We see there are, in the ACC at least, there are five programs that have a 50% or higher winning percentage on the road. Uh, We told you about soccer. Softball's in that category at 57%. Uh, women's lacrosse is uh, 56 percent, field hockey is 56, and volleyball is 55. Uh, Now, we know we've got powerful programs, Louisville and Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech had a great year as well. But look at kind of the way then it tips off. Wrestling, 47 percent. There are not that many uh, matches roadwise to to, uh, develop the stat from. You see women's basketball is at 46 percent. Uh, men's basketball is 44%. And to be honest with you, that's a higher number than than most years. Football was 41%. Lacrosse just 40 And, of course, men's soccer 36 Now, is it is it just me or is it the women's soccer at one end and the men's soccer at the yeah. other end that's uh, that's intriguing about this?
0: Yeah, that, that's the one that pops off the page to me. And, again, this is a great conference. Why do I know that? Well, again, you want national championships. Guess what this league did? It won two of them. Yep. Right, And keep in mind, the, like, on the men's side, uh, the team that won the, uh, the tournament uh, is not the team that won the national championship, which goes to show you how good the conference is, and it's always been that way on both the men's and the women's side. So, yeah, I'm with you, Wes. Well, that whole list, the thing that jumps out at me is the, the, the bookends, the end of the spectrum of women's soccer and men's soccer and being able to take care of business on the road. Totally yep. parallel yep. opposite universes, but yet two sports that are loaded with really good teams.
1: Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting for sure. Uh, I, I Today in lacrosse, I'm not sure any of that's going to matter given the no. uh, climate. Certainly when Notre Dame plays, it'll be a mark because it is their home field in South Bend. But that also being said, we expect terrific action from South Bend when the quarterfinals begin uh, later today. Um, we mentioned football. 41% the winning percentage for road teams a year ago. Uh, 30 and 43, uh, that figure is about the same as it's been. It's in the general neighborhood of what about the last five or six years have been as it relates to ACC football. The sport that's hardest to win on the road, man. It's easy. Soccer's at both ends. It's just weird to look at no. it that way.
0: No, the hardest sport to win on the road is cornhole. Uh, when you when you have to take your game – got to take your game – tailgating to enemy territory you know the lay of the land smoke uh perhaps a rowdy crowd uh perhaps you've had too many beverages i I think cornhole on the road is the hardest one Wes, of all of them and i didn't see that on the list anywhere but you know hey you go to carter finley as an outsider you know what it's kind of hilly the terrain cornhole you get a little off balance you gotta be careful there carter finley you know it's different chestnut hill than it is carter finley or if you go down to coral gables at the hard rock which is more of a flat surface got more more of a, a a similar deal that hey it's kind of used to in your backyard so i'd say cornhole would be the most difficult one if you and again i count that as a sport just me though just my opinion it's not a bar bet not a trivia question it's just me cornhole
1: yeah i hear you
0: you disagree with that you know what are you going you know, what are you drinking for the day? You going uh, suds or you going dark water? Have you had too much to eat? Is the smoker screwed up? And, you know, again, are you know, tailgating on a hill? Uh, do you have a rowdy I, bunch around you? You know, is the bean bag not quite up to standard? I mean, everybody's got their own deal when it comes to cornhole. Everybody.
1: I think I think, we're all sur- I think we're all surprised to hear you offer cornhole as the toughest sport to win on the road.
0: Is it a sport? Yes or no? Yes or no? It is a sport. No. You know why I know it's a sport? No, it's not because a sport. No. You both, listen, Brooks is yelling at me no. You're yelling at me no. It is a sport. You know why? Because ESPN has it on television as a sport. That's why it's a sport. We're not televising it on ESPN if it's not a sport. Cornhole, we got sponsorships. Those dudes look like NASCAR drivers, man. Are you kidding me? And when, let me tell you another thing. Anything that you can do with a cold beverage in your hand and it's televised is a sport. So don't tell me cornhole isn't a sport. Absolutely is. Big money. Fantasy leagues, gambling, drinking, sponsorships, hamburgers, smoke. What else you want?
1: Question The spelling be a sport.
0: Is it on television? Yes. Does, does ESPN put it on television? Yes or no.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Then there's your. Why are you asking the question? ESPN's not putting it on if it isn't a sport. Okay. Got
1: it. All right. You disagree with that? We're going to go to break. We're you going disagree to break. With that. When we come back. When we come
0: back. Now I know why Jimmy didn't give you your Disney pin. You know you got to understand the operation. If it's a okay. sport, we're televising it on ESPN. You me. <laughs> my, no, that's now my I'm, friend Jimmy.
1: Friend Jimmy. Right. Your friend Jimmy. Right. Yeah. Now, I know you're upset. When we come back.
0: I know you're upset that we got icky and you didn't. And you're going to have to deal with my man <laughs> laying out Atlanta Falcons for the next 15 years, with pancake syrup. I know you're upset yeah. with that. But you got to get yeah. over that, Durham. You do. I know you're the okay. voice of the Falcons, right. but we got icky and you didn't. We got icky. <laughs>
1: Well, when we come back, a story developed last night that I can't say I'm surprised to hear. I'm just curious as to where it's going to go. The scary side of name, image, and likeness in South Florida is next.
0: Packer and Durham.
1: The story last night, ESPN and many others uh, offered this, it involves Miami Hurricanes guard Isaiah Wong, who essentially, through his NIL agent, Adam Pappas of Next Sports, has said that if they don't feel the name, image, and likeness number meets their expectations, they're going to enter the transfer portal tomorrow, which is today, while maintaining his eligibility in the NBA draft and going through the draft process. Um, Wong, of course, two-time ACC, all-ACC player, uh, second-leading scorer on the Hurricanes team that made to the Elite Eight this year, uh, declared for the draft earlier this week. Florida law, by the way, doesn't permit schools to be involved in NIL deals. According to a Miami spokesperson, due to state law, it doesn't discuss or comment on NIL-specific deals. Pappas confirmed to ESPN he isn't speaking directly with the Hurricanes coaching staff. Um, Now, this is in response to the reported $800,000 name, image, and likeness opportunity that Nigel Pack received over two years when he transferred from Kansas State, along with the use of an automobile. Pack was considered the number one player in the portal yes we have those two portal rankings of players uh, before committing to miami the deal has been funded by miami billionaire john ruiz who has stepped to the forefront here of a lot of this nil uh around the university of miami and at the uh, the movement of not only miami's nil he's also orchestrated deals across several sports um and he is also involved reportedly in the arrival of Haley and Hannah Cavender, who are social media stars and were social media stars at Fresno State who have recently transferred to the Miami basketball program. Uh, Also, UCLA football uh, transfers, uh, Caleb Johnson and uh, Mitchell Agude. All of this stems, though, from what you just talked about, Pac. It took this long to get this done, but this is what we were worried about 13 months ago when we started talking about name, image, and likeness, and what that would be like in the locker room, and if player A was making X and player B was making Z, what would that be like? Now we've found our first live case of it right now.
0: Uh, Like I said, I'm stunned it took this long. Uh, When you allow agents to get involved, and I have one, uh, and the job of an agent is to maximize the financial situation for a client. How it works. Right. And so we got a situation that we have no rules, no regulation. Uh, players can get openly paid. And I'm, again, I'm all for name, image, and likeness, but you got to have some rules and regulation. We don't have any. So if you don't have rules, you have chaos. So what took so long for somebody, finally an agent, to go, hey, whoa, 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 if you got guys on your own team making X, we think that, you know, what you have been able to put blood, sweat, equity, blood, sweat, tears, equity, all that stuff into your program. Well, you're worth that kind of value. And if not, Mm -hmm. hey, we'll take our game somewhere else. That's where we are. So what took so long? Uh, So when I heard this story last night, uh, seriously, the first thing I thought of was, well, wow, I I can't believe that this thing got started July 1st of 2021. And here we are now Mm -hmm. at the end of April, and this is the first time we have a public discussion of, hey, if you don't pay me X, I'm out of here. What took so long? I I think this is going to become the norm. And let me tell you something. I don't know how this is gonna work out for Isaiah Wong. We think he's a really good player. He had a great year at Miami. The Canes went to the Elite Eight, an incredible job by Jim Laranega. But I think you're gonna start seeing this all the time. And why wouldn't you? I mean, if we're not gonna have any rules and I'm putting uh, my body through the, the effort of being able to be part of a team and I am productive and can really play, hey, write the biggest check. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is capitalism at its very finest. Now, there'll be a lot of people that go, this is disgusting. This is not college sports. I get it. I do. But let me tell you something. This is today's college sports. It wasn't two years ago, but it is today. And if it was 20 years ago, it was done illegally. And I'm not telling you that that didn't happen. It did. But now you can openly say, guess what? I think this guy fits our program, or she fits our program. And if somebody's willing to give you $800,000, $8, or $8 million, it can happen. So I am not surprised at all that this is going on. Yeah. And I think you're going to see it I, all, <laughs> all over the place, is what I think is going to happen. Well, he, here's the other
1: side of this Ruiz reportedly has 111 name, image, and likeness deals with student athletes at the University of Miami. Uh, for his two companies, which is uh, Life Wallet and Cigarette Racing. Uh, so, from that standpoint, you're looking at the uh, number one purveyor of NIL deals for Miami student athletes being involved right in the middle of Nigel Pack and right in the middle of uh, other players and other student athletes. And, you know, so this is the number one guy. And that's the part about this that I think is. A little taxing is, so what if you're another school that's sitting there today going, okay, how do I make sure the temperament in my locker room stays at the right place, right? I mean, that's the the part. And, And again, it was reported last night by some other folks as well. And one of the stories indicated that coaches have been worried about this for a long time. This was the side of this that coaches didn't want to have to have. And now all of a sudden, here's Jim Laranega, terrific guy, terrific coach, and he's embroiled with arguably his most proven weapon on his basketball team for next year. You know, could be by four o'clock he's in the portal because the business deal isn't any good anymore.
0: Well, correct. But, but these are all one-year contracts. And this is how it's going to play out. I mean, like I said the other day, we've got more structure in the National Football League, in the NBA, in Major League Baseball, in the WNBA, as far as free agency, than we do in college sports. Now, how is that possible? Right. I mean, that is almost right. impossible to fathom, but it's exactly where we are. So like I said, when I heard this story last night, I'm like, what took so long? I, eventually, this is going to happen to everybody. And, you know, regardless of how this gets worked out, I mean, I don't know how it's going to play out, but every player, every student athlete that has a lucrative deal, should take a step back and go, hey, wait a minute. If Isaiah Wong can play that off to either go to the NBA or go to another school or stay at Miami and get a better deal, whatever, I don't know it's going to play out. I should be able to maximize the same thing. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen until Mm -hmm. we finally get some rules, some guidelines, some regulation with some structure with whatever this is going to be. It is the wild, wild west. So, hey, you know what? If uh, if the leaders of this great uh, organization, which is called College Sports, can't come to their senses and have the, the, the instinct to say, listen, here's what we've got to do, and there's no vision, there's no leadership, the student-athletes should maximize everything they possibly can. And guess what's going to happen, Wes? They're going to. And so mm-hmm. if you're a fan of School X and you see maybe your star player doing this, you know, you got to sit back and go, hey, if that was my son or if that's my daughter, you know what? Quite frankly, you got to get what you get. And I'm not telling you, hey, this is pure greed. There is a love for school to get an education. Hopefully, you get the education. But if you're going to allow people to get paid, they're going to maximize their dollar. And that's all this yeah. is. It's all this is. No, I'm
1: with you on that. I'm with you. It's, but, but, Pac, here's the thing. Now we're talking about, I mean, we're, we're already – you know, genie out of the bottle and hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And now players are leveraging back on coaches and programs of course. Within
0: NIL. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect, no matter what you do in life, no matter what you do in life, when you have leverage, you have to use it. Now, yeah. some folks may say, oh, that's not fair. Well, I got news for you. Uh, leverage will be used against you far greater than you will have leverage against it. So... Again, I'm not telling you what Isaiah Wong's doing is right or wrong, but he's got the right to do what he's doing because there's no rules that prevent him from saying, hey, listen, you sign a scholarship, you know what? You you write it out, good times, bad times. We don't live in that universe anymore. And I know there's a lot of people that are turned off by where we're going, and I understand it. I totally get it. Because if you're old school at all, this is like, I I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. But the real world is this is a chance for student-athletes to maximize their financial value while being able to play a sport and get an education. So that's where we are. And I think that you're going to yeah. see a lot more stories just like this moving forward.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think it's going to be <clears> – <throat> it's been a little bumpy already. I think it's going to get significantly more bumpy as we, uh, West, as we go
0: along. Wes, uh, you know what? I, I don't even know that it's bumpy. I think the thing that's so startling is how fast it's happening. It's not even a matter that it's bumpy. You you knew it was going to be a slippery ride, but it's going so fast that I'm just afraid, Uh, whether it be the transformation committee, whether it be Mark Emmert sound asleep again. uh, I don't know if there's anybody right now that can get in front of it. Now we had a chance for a couple of years to get in front of all of this and set up some, again, some foundation, some rules. Right. And we left. We, meaning the collective world of college sports we whiffed i don't know how you get in front of this speeding train right now because it's going so mm-hmm. quickly that every day there's a new issue and a new problem and when this came up last night i was like hey this is the world that we're living in tag we're it we got to go figure it out
1: yeah it's going to be an interesting uh interesting weekend perhaps for miami uh, as it relates to isaiah wong uh clearly one of the better scorers in the acc Uh, We'll keep an eye on this. Uh, Who knows, maybe this is a fast-moving story. We'll find out. But when we come back, in case you missed our visit yesterday with Virginia's head women's lacrosse coach, Julie Myers, you'll get to see that ahead of the Cavaliers' important quarterfinal game today on ACC Network next. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. we had a good time with Julie Myers yesterday, didn't we? Because uh, not only has she been tremendous as their head women's lacrosse coach, Julie's also a realist. You don't have to tell Julie uh, what the challenge is. It's pretty simple for Virginia at this point. If they want to reach the NCAA tournament and continue the streak, in case you missed it.
2: Um, We have to win for a million reasons, but certainly to um, you know, in any tournament, you have to win to go on. And uh, this is going to be not just for this weekend to continue, but then to be able to play into May. So, you know, it's something that we've never missed before, and it's something that we're targeting and preparing well for, so that we can play great come tomorrow night. So, it's a tall task we realize, um, but we're excited for it.
1: Julie, when you look at the format, and it's it's been discussed here a little bit. Uh, We we've heard from some of your colleagues, players, and I know there's been other talk about it to play the the, the the tournament now, and then when you get to a championship, push it a week. Take me, take me through the pros and cons of that from your chair.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough. When you have nine teams, it's hard to fit all of those games in and make sure that we have enough rest in between each of the games so that we're not putting too many miles on our middies in particular. Um, so there's just no easy way of doing it. This year is a it's a one and done format. We're going to go right back to doing it different uh, the the following year. So we will we will be able to start a tournament and end a tournament with a champion at the end. Come next year. So this is just kind of a one off year. Um, and I think it was the best decision we could have made at the time. Although now that we're living it, I think we're all scratching our heads a little bit and wishing that uh, that it was a different format where we were going to leave with a champion at the end.
0: You know, uh, we've bragged about this conference. I mean, we go into the ACC tournament, and the number one, number two, number three ranked teams in the country are sitting there, and you get a chance to jump on Syracuse in that number three slot. Uh, it, does it get to be old hat that you just say, hey, listen, when you sign up to play at the University of Virginia or anywhere else in this league, you're going up against the best competition there is in the country. Seems like that's just oh, the way it is.
2: Absolutely. And we use that in recruiting. I mean, you want to play in the ACC. You've got the best coverage. You've got the, the, the most support. You've got great stadiums and, and great teams to compete in. So you train really hard for your whole life. Um, so you want to make sure that it's going to be challenging when you get to college and that you have a chance to, to grow as a player and, and, and work hard as a team and come up with some wins. So it is why a lot of kids choose the ACC. And it's something that we really try to take advantage of.
1: Uh, We have talked about Ashlyn McGovern from time to time in our highlights of women's lacrosse this year. I know all ACC first team. What kind of year has she had in your mind? And I know terrific leader as well. All those things account for what you're getting ready to get into, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, Ashlyn's been great. So this is this is really her fifth year with us, but she has yet another another year next year. She's in a two-year master's program. So uh, we're going to look to get as many games out of Ashlyn as we possibly can. Uh, but she's a goal scorer. She has she has power. She's got finesse. Um, she really she can really um, hit some corners. So she's definitely our our leader on our attack. She's the lead, one of our leaders on our team, um, and she's somebody that we've really appreciated having uh, with so much experience. On, on a relatively young team, she's really she's really done the job her job very, very
0: well. Which I know with Syracuse and everybody you see in this conference, it seems like everybody's got dynamic goal scores. Uh, I, I know yeah. we get, you know, as layman because Wes and I sit there and watch from afar and just go, wow, like every weekend we see these highlights and you're like, oh my gosh, how do you stop that? But it does seem like every team in this conference has two or three individuals that if you're not careful, they will light you up like a Christmas tree.
2: Absolutely I mean it's definitely an offensive uh, conference but we have great goalkeepers and defenders as well I just I think the way that our rules are written um, that the rules do favor the attackers to be able to force their way in and get what they want and and training works you know the girls are stronger they're faster they're quicker they play more lacrosse they've seen now they've seen the best of the best on TV and at the highest level so I think they're emulating what they what they've watched growing up and they're taking it to a new level once they get to college so it is pretty exciting but you're right that the attackers in our conference Um, You could have an entire all ACC team of just attackers before you even get to the defense.
1: Julie, you mentioned this, Uh, the rules now geared to score. Uh, How big a change is that in the last five years, 10 years in your mind?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's always favored the attack. Um, And honestly, everybody always likes to score goals. So it's uh, you find attackers more easily than you find defenders in our game. It's just more fun to be able to score a goal and drop your stick and and celebrate that um but it's you know the, the rules have changed a lot over the last 10 years um and and i think we're trying to make it a little bit more balanced so that it's not totally in favor of the attack uh, but the attackers have the ball so they're gonna they're gonna be able to have their way more often than a defender who's trying to desperately to stop it um you know i think the evolution of zones have really will have really helped to quiet some of these sticks down and and have made people go in a little bit different in terms of getting that ball in the air a little bit more um, But the attackers are dynamic. Um, Their stick work. I mean, every year I scratch my head. I, I, you wonder how much better can they get, and then they go ahead and they get better. So it's a pretty exciting time, and we've got a lot of exciting players.
0: Julie, I always get a kick uh, when we're interviewing uh, either a baseball player or a softball player about the relationship of those two respective teams on a college campus. We've had Lars Tiffany on the show, God knows how many times, and obviously they've gone back-to-back winning natties, and he's very philosophical Mm. and and can give you an interesting answer to a question. What's the relationship like between the men and the women's lacrosse programs at Virginia?
2: Oh, I mean, we're very connected. We always have been. Um, Lots of our – we've had siblings play – A a sister on my team and and a brother on uh, the men's team. Actually, my son's going to play for (laughs) Lars next year, so it's about to get even tighter again um, within my own household. Uh, But there's a great relationship, I think. uh, We've really tried to do a lot of healthy things together and playing different co-ed style lacrosse games and um, doing different dinners and different, different events together with the guys. But certainly um, our women love to watch the men play and compete so hot at such a high level. And, and, I, and there, a lot of the guys will come to our games as well. So it is nice to have a counterpart on campus.
0: Big day for Virginia, though. Seriously. I mean, yeah. that, that streak, no they take a great deal of pride of that NCAA tournament streak. And uh, you can't get in it if you're under 500 and you roll into today. Uh, It's kind of a showdown game, Wes. Again, you've got to jump on upset number three Syracuse to get there. So uh, it's the last of the four matches today here on ACC Network. So a lot to watch from South Bend, Indiana.
1: Yeah, full accent, of course, starts just after noon from South Bend. We give you all the quarterfinals and the women's lacrosse championship right here on ACC Network. Uh, Plenty more to come in the 8 o'clock hour, including Dana Boyle from South Bend Pack to get us caught up on uh, on exactly what's going on uh, in terms of the quarterfinals, but uh, we chronicle the month of April. Notepad starts the 8 o'clock hour on a Friday next.
0: Tune in to Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.